The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I am your host, as always, Damon Martin, and we are back with another big event coming up this Saturday with UFC 288, now just a matter of days away. Of course, my usual co-host, Matt Brown, is uh, shifted into fight mode. He has his own fight coming up next weekend on May 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina. So he is taking this week and next week off in his final preparation for the fight. Uh, he will return the Monday following his fight against Court McGee, uh, which we just learned this past week will headline the prelims uh, at UFC Charlotte on May 13th. So, uh, of course, our best wishes go out to the man himself, Matthew Immortal Brown. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, in his place this week, we have a, a trio of interviews with some of the biggest names fighting at UFC 288 this weekend. We're going to talk in just a few moments I had a pretty wide-ranging interview with UFC bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling. Uh, he obviously is fighting Henry Cejudo in the main event. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with Aljamain. We talked about the Cejudo fight. Uh, we, of course, talked about his future of bantamweight. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about you know where his future takes him at 145 pounds, especially with his good friend and teammate Marab Dawalishvili kind of knocking on the door of title contention at 135 pounds. And doubling down on the fact that they're not going to fight, and I respect that. Uh, I respect that they are sticking to their guns on that. And you know, UFC be damned, they're not fighting each other. So, really interesting conversation with Aljamain when it came to this fight with Henry Cejudo and his future uh, as the bantamweight champion of the UFC. It's going to be interesting with with Cejudo coming back from three years away. Of course, you know, at his peak, at his prime, Henry Cejudo, one of the greatest combat sports athletes in history accomplishing what he accomplished in the Olympics and then coming in and becoming a two-division champ in the UFC. Three years is a long time, though, and it will be interesting to see how does Henry Cejudo look. I, I know that Aljamain posted a little video 
on his Instagram and I think Twitter as well of him running into Henry as they both arrived at the hotel in you know New, New Jersey to get ready for the fight at the Prudential Center this weekend. And you can see, like, Henry Cejudo is a significantly shorter guy. Now, does that mean he's going to lose simply because he's shorter than Aljamain Sterling? Of course not. But it is going to be interesting because when Henry Cejudo left the division, he hadn't fought any of the kind of up-and-coming guys who were knocking on the door. I mean, he beat uh, Dominic Cruz like a month before Aljamain choked out Corey Sanhagen to kind of become the number one contender. He got out before he fought Piotr Jan. He got out before he fought Corey Sandhagen. He got out before guys like Cheeto Vera were right there and guys like uh, Sean O'Malley were, were rising up the ranks. So I am curious to see how Henry Sudo is going to adapt because, uh, listen, he beat Marlon Marais, incredible performance. Um, Marlon, you know, had his moments in that fight early and then he, he you know, he definitely gassed out and, and, and Sudo took over late. He beat Dominic Cruz, and I, I listen. I, Dominic Cruz, a legend. The guy may be the greatest bantamweight of all time, but I don't think, I don't think Henry Cejudo fought the Dominic Cruz that was, you know, the Dominic Cruz of five six years ago, who was the best bantamweight in the sport. I don't think Dominic Cruz is that guy anymore. Dominic Cruz is not a bad fighter by any stretch, any stretch of the imagination, but I would define Dominic Cruz right now as a top fifteen fighter, whereas five six years ago I would have said he's number one, number two, number three in the world of bantamweight. So. We still are, in my opinion, we still don't really know who Henry Cejudo is going to be as a bantamweight. He is definitely going to be giving up size, uh, probably going to be giving up some power depending on who he fights. It will be interesting because this is uh, this is a very intriguing matchup with Aljamain. Aljamain is a big, long, strong bantamweight uh, with good striking. People really underrate his striking. Go back and watch the fight with Pedro Munoz if you don't believe me on that one. And then, of course... He has the fights with Piotr Jan, who, you know, listen, despite what happened in his last fight losing to Marab Duwalashvili, Piotr Jan is still one of the best bantamweights in the world, without a doubt. Um, I think Piotr Jan and Henry Cejudo would actually be a pretty fascinating fight because Piotr Jan is also a shorter, you know, little stockier as far as bantamweight goes. He's not one of the longer, taller guys. So that would be interesting down the road. But, yeah, a lot of questions about where these two guys are coming into this fight. Aljamain has been on a roll but Aljamain's also, you know, he came out to fight with TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw, of course, had the shoulder injuries. No excuses there. That's on TJ. That's not on Aljamain. Aljamain went out there and handled business and defeated him and defended his title. But this is a different beast. You know, Henry Cejudo is a monster. And it will be interesting to see if he comes back and he looks as good, if not better, than he did three years ago. This is a really, really tough fight for anybody, much less just Aljamain Sterling. But again, three years away, he went from being 33 in the prime of his career to now being 36, coming back from retirement. It's just a, a lot of questions that have to be answered this weekend. So obviously, uh, this past weekend, everyone knows, of course, the big the big talk of the town was BKFC. We had our big P BKFC preview show last week. Uh, we had guys like Luke Rockhold and Mike Perry on the show, as well as Chad Mendes, who retired. My uh, best wishes go out to Chad Mendes. He kind of mentioned it in the interview with me last week that this is a good chance his next fight with Eddie Alvarez would be his last fight. Turned out that way, so best wishes to him. Obviously, without Matt on the show, we won't have a chance to talk about BKFC today. Um, I got a lot of interviews to get to today, so I want to get those going. But we will talk BKFC again in the future. Uh, Matt will be back in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about that, catching up with him after his fight as well as this. Also, we will have a breakdown of UFC 288 next week. I will have a special guest host joining me for that next week. More on that next week. But for now, 
Let's get to my interview with the UFC bantamweight champion, Algermaine Sterling. Again, this is a wide-ranging interview talking about the fight, talking about his recovery from injury, talking about his future at featherweight, as well as uh, Marab Dwalishvili coming for that title at 135 pounds. He is the reigning, defending UFC bantamweight champion of the world. He will defend his title in a matter of days now at UFC 288 against Henry Cejudo. I am always happy to speak to the great Algermaine Sterling. Aljo, how are you? Very good. Um, just uh, taking things one day at a time. The uh, the countdown has begun, so you can officially punch Henry Cejudo in the face. Uh, how is uh, how is training and everything going? Are you out in Vegas right now? Where are you at? No, I'm back in New York. Going to finish up out here on the East Coast. Just makes more sense, um, more practical, especially with the um, fight being here on the East Coast, you know, back yeah. in my backyard. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And also, you know, listen, it's only a three hour time difference, but you know, I'm sure you're getting your training in tune because you're going to be fighting at, you know, midnight, you know what I mean? So it's like a later, it's a much later time for your fight. Yeah. The good thing is there's only one title fight. So what I'm thinking is maybe we will fight a little bit earlier than midnight, which would be really nice. (laughs) Um, Cause there's something you got to be able to get up for that, you know? Um, I'm very good at being able to take a nap and sleep before the fight. And it's been something I've been doing since like my very first pro fight. Cause actually my amateur, my amateur days, like sleeping beforehand, it it almost like I do my morning shakeout, which is like kind of going through the fight, um, simulating what's going to happen, get a sweat in or run, whatever it is that I would do. I, I kind of changed that over the years, but then I would take a nap after eating and everything stretch. And then when I wake up, it almost feels like I just woke up again. Um, in the first thing in the morning, and I just have a lot more energy. Um, for me, in the morning, I, I always crash around the afternoon time, and then it's hard to kind of get up for that next workout. So when I take a nap, it just makes it so much easier, and it almost feels like I got a, I don't want to say second win, but in the sense of like having fresh energy for the actual fight, it almost feels like that. So um, that's the that's been the recipe. And the one time I wasn't able to sleep. Uh, Cause I felt like shit was the Jan fight, the first one. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So hopefully things go my way again and um, we have a good approach to the fight. And I think um, we'll be off to the races. Absolutely. I know you, uh, we've talked about fighting in New York and all that kind of stuff. I know this is kind of like the second best thing, even though I've been to both many times, New Jersey feels like a whole different world compared to New York, but is there a little excitement fighting closer to home? Like I'm sure you're going to have, you always have a lot of friends and family, but I'm sure it's going to be a little easier for them to travel down to Jersey versus, you know, flying to Vegas or Abu Dhabi in some cases. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, in the very beginning, if I'm being completely honest, I was a little reluctant about it because I always wanted to fight in Las Vegas, but I wanted to fight at the T-Mobile. I have not had the opportunity to fight there yet. And um, the one time I was and the fight got moved, that's when I was supposed to fight TJ and they, they pushed it to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I'm like, so to go from being excited about fighting in at the T-Mobile two different times and then getting it pushed. And then I kind of thought about it and then all my friends were hitting me up. They're like, yeah, well, you're fighting on the East Coast. And I was like, you know what? This actually is not a bad thing. I think I'm actually the first champion from Long Island or even the East Coast with that said and uh, fighting in their hometown kind of thing. Um, So this is going to be a great opportunity for everyone to come out. Very affordable. It's a short drive over the bridge um, or a train ride and then a drive over if you want, uh, depending on how you want to get there. So it's going to be almost like a high school reunion slash college reunion. I'm super excited about it, man. I did a lot of my fighting on the regional circuit in New Jersey, 
Um, I did a couple of fights on the the Native American. I'll try to be PC here. <laughs> the, res- the reservations as an amateur. So <clears throat> having been in a fight there in as a pro in New York, but at least on the as an amateur, I fought in the reservation before. So it's been cool. Um, this is gonna be a great one, man. And I think having everyone out there, I'm gonna be able to kind of just as I'm walking through the crowd, through the, you know, doing the entrance walk, I'm gonna be like, Yeah, I know you, I know that guy, I know her. Hey, what's up? Long time no see. How long has <laughs> You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of cool in that regards, and I think that's what it's all about, man. It's gonna be a a, a very sentimental and special moment for me. Um, even just think about it, it, thinking about it gets me excited, and um, it's not very often you have these opportunities, you know. So thank you to the UFC for setting this up, and and now I just gotta go out there and whoop this man's ass. I love it. I I don't want to put any spoilers out there, Aljo, because it's always a cool moment. But any New York themed songs for your walkout? Maybe I like. There's a lot of them, obviously. Any chance we get one of those as a walkout? Uh, you know, I I haven't had time to sit and pick out the the choices of songs I want to use. I was thinking to do like a uh, collage of like two or three different songs and kind of have it switching. Um, I think that would be kind of cool to have, and maybe it'll touch on some very iconic i don't know and then at the same time i kind of want to keep the same things i've been um, rocking with that everyone kind of already knows me for and uh, i think that would be kind of dope too so it's i don't know i i kind of i haven't had a time to like really sit down and think about it either way i think it's going to be the roof is going to get blown off of that place regardless (laughs) one way or the other even if i come out to my own song so i don't know we'll see what we're going to do I was I gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you about that. I was gonna say, what are the chances maybe we get the Aljamain Sterling original? Because I know you got a career now, a little music career on the side. So uh, <laughs> I loved it. It's funny because Roy Jones, of course, legendary boxer, he did his song, and now like a ton of people have used his song to walk out. Robert Whitaker uses it every time he walks out now. So maybe you do like the uh, the, the Aljamain Sterling walkout. That's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. If anything, I'm gonna at least have some of it play and then kind of switch it out, kind of like that collage I was talking about. Um, and then they, they remix into something else. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, there's definitely some, some cool ideas and there's only one time, you know, you really get to make this walk. Uh, it's not very often you could do it as a champ, you know? So I'm just thinking like everything for me, this is just all oh, icing on the cake, man. I get to fight someone that people consider one of the greatest combat athletes of all time. Someone that, um, you know, lost, came back some, something I've been able to do and then become the champion of, of two different divisions and something that I would like to try to achieve. Um, so there's a lot of value in this fight um, for me that I, I don't take for granted. And uh, I've been doing a good job of leaving no stones unturned. I love it. Uh, going back out to a couple of years, like we've talked to you, and I think we talked before almost every fight you've had over the last like five or 10 years. Um, but over this, I remember going back to the first Peter Yan fight and Deal with the neck injury and, and, you know, listen, I'm not making excuses. You're not making excuses, but you knew you, you, you were not a hundred percent going into that fight. And, and you've kind of learned from that lesson of saying, listen, you can't go in there fully compromised. Like it's just not worth it to go in there on such an important, huge stage. And we saw the differences between the first John fight and the second John fight. It was, I won't say night and day, but it was close to that. You looked incredibly different. And we know that you went out there and went and, and dominated the largest portion of that fight and beat Peter Jan. Um, I know you had an injury with the bicep. You got the treatment, and everything in this fight. I know they talked about April. 
gets pushed back into May. Can I ask, obviously, now a couple of weeks out, like, all right, how is the how is it feeling, and how important was it for you to learn that lesson? Like, not I, listen, every fighter goes into a fight a little banged up. We know that, right? Like, you're never going to go in there 100. percent But you fought compromised, and it didn't work out. Like you've admitted that, like it was a bad move to do it. Now you got healthy and was like night and day. So did you kind of learn a lesson from that first Jan fight? Like not, not allowing yourself to get pressured into going in when you're not as close to a hundred percent as possible. You're never going to be a hundred percent, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, well, just, just for clarity the first Jan fight, um, the compromise state that I was in was the lack of nutrition and, and rehydrating the right way. Um, and since in the, in regards to my neck, I mean, I, I fought with the neck injury uh, since the, my first UFC fight, you know, and it just got progressively worse as the time went on. And I got a long history of going in and getting x-rays and uh, MRIs done and kind of kicking the can down the road. Um, that might have had something to do with it, but because I had to get the cortisone shot right before the fight. I want to say about three weeks before our first fight that was scheduled for December that Jan pulled out of. And then I, that actually was a blessing in disguise for me because I got to take time off and heal up my neck a little bit more with the cortisone shot. And then I tweaked it again right before the fight. Um, so it, it is one of those things. And then I had the, the partially torn bicep going into that fight as well. Um, well, this is the, we're talking the first fight. So yeah, so I hurt my neck. Uh, so it was the neck and the, the, the rehydration portion of it. So that was really it. It wasn't like I haven't fought with the injury before. It is what it is, you know, and again, I don't, I try not to make excuses, but when people ask me, I just tell them, you know, the reality of the situation. Um, I'm sure he had some stuff he had to deal with. He pulled out of the first fight for some reason. I don't know what it is. Um, still don't know what it is. Uh, but I did learn not to fight compromise, um, kicking the can down the road with the bicep injury. And part of me kind of wishes I actually went and got the surgery if I'm being completely honest. Uh, to have the second fight with, with uh, Piotr and then to have the TJ fight like this and then to do the stem cells, like, yeah, the stem cells were great, but at the same time, I, I still feel, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie, you know? And I know some people, they say, oh, I feel great. I feel amazing. It's like, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, so for me, I feel way better. Let me say that. But I definitely do feel it from time to time. Um, it's not as bad as it was before. Um, part of me does like wonder if like what would it have been like if I just got the surgery because I know when I got this one done, it's so much stronger, um, and maybe that would have been the difference if I just got the left one done as well. But it is what it is, man. Um, I'm I'm having good training sessions, and that's all that matters. At the end of the day, if you're going to step into that octagon, you have to have good training sessions to give you the confidence going into there. Uh, and for me, I have been having those great training sessions, so. If I'm doing it to these guys in the room, there's no reason why I can't do it under those lights to Henry Cedo. Yes, Henry Cedo is not the same as my training partners. He's a, probably on paper a level above. But with that being said, these guys just haven't had their opportunity to showcase to the world that they're in that same category as well. And that gives them the confidence going into this one that this bicep, I'm going to smack Sayuda in the face with it. <laughs> Let me ask you about Sayuda because there's a lot of unknowns and not unknowns in terms of what he does well, but you know, he's been out for so long. Um, I know everyone debates, you know, his ring rust real is ring, ring rust. Not real. I think it's real. Sometimes like some guys come back and they do show it. Other guys don't. I don't think it's a, a, a black and white issue where it's just right or wrong. I think some guys do show ring rust. Other guys don't. Um, also when Henry was at Bantamweight, he had a couple of wins, Obviously, had to fight with Marlon, and he got the win. He got you know kind of beat up early, and then came back and won. And he had a fight with Dominic Cruz. I don't know that 
the Dominic Cruz he fought was the same Dominic Cruz that was champion five, six, seven years ago, but it is what it is. And then he left. Like, he didn't really have to go through the murderer's row of bandweights. Like, he didn't have to go through you or Sandhagen or or Jordan Yan or, you know, all, all the guys who are there now. He kind of got out before those guys were the fights. So we know what he's good at. And so I'm not going to get into, like, the technical aspect, but, like, I know you're expecting the absolute best, but, like, is there some question, like, what you're going to get out of Henry? Because I feel like we still don't really know who he is as a bantamweight. Like, we kind of know, but, again, he didn't have to – he got out before he had to go through the murderer's row to say, man, he really is a great bantamweight, in my opinion. That's my opinion as well. <laughs> um, honestly, <laughs> I do my homework, and not taking anything away from Henry – he beat the guys that they put in front of him, the same thing I've been able to do. And that's the fight game. That's all you can control. But I will say he definitely dodged a bullet by leaving when he left because there would have been killer after killer coming after him and guys twice his height almost. Um, and that play, that's a big difference, man. And I really do think that – I don't want to say he's untested, but we don't know what he can really do at this division yet and – I think I'm going to be the true, the true, what would you call it? Uh, I guess the rubric to see where he's at. And uh, we're going to see, because if, if I do the things that I think I could do to him, I, I think he might contemplate going back down to 125 or just really retiring again and this time for good. So um, I plan on going, going out there and showing him that ring rust is a real thing and father time is undefeated. You know, you can't sit there and take three years off and then come off the couch and think that everybody's going to be like John Jones and has this spectacular um, athletic curve and just and the difference between him and John Jones and him and GSP are the guys that they're fighting when they came back. You know what I mean? And no disrespect to any of those guys. Surugan is very athletic, but the guy can't wrestle. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, Bisbing versus GSP. Those guys train with each other. There's a reason why GSP was okay with taking that fight against Michael Bisping opposed to any other welter um, middleweight out there, and they've he kind of showed that the grappling and even with the striking, like Bisping is good, but there's a little bit of a difference there. And I and I don't want to be like disrespectful to Bisping because I'm not. I'm just calling it what it is. These guys train together. There's a reason why GSP would be comfortable accepting that fight, knowing that he's the bigger guy coming in to try to chase double champ champ status. And now you have Sayudo trying to come back and trying to do the same thing. The difference is he's not fighting someone who can't wrestle. He's not fighting someone who can't strike. He's fighting a well-rounded guy who's going to be probably the most dangerous guy to come back to try to do that against in the sense of all those guys who tried it. He's going to have the toughest road ahead of him. And uh, we'll see if he's ready for it, man. You know, made a better man win, but I truly do think and believe that I'm going to show that I'm here for a reason and I'm the better guy at this point in time. Well, it's funny you say that because I talked to Marlon Marias about it because he fought both of you, obviously. And he said um, he had no doubt whatsoever. He picked you to win. He said, Mar he said, Aljamain's too big. He's too long. His wrestling's too good. And he's like, I just think he's got too many advantages for Henry. And I, and I agree in, in, in a lot of what he said, because um, Henry's not a big bantamweight. He was never a big bantamweight. He's a very short guy. And, and also at the wrestling point, like, obviously he's an Olympic gold medalist. There's no, you know, no doubt he's an incredible wrestler, but Henry's never, he, he's used his wrestling, he used against Sergio Pettis, he used against a couple of guys, but we never really got to see him use it that much in, in, in bantamweight. 
um, you know, in the fight with Marlon, like Marlon got exhausted. Like that's really what happened. Like Marlon got tired and, and, and credit to Henry. He outlasted him and beat him. Good for him. And again, I don't know that Dominic Cruz was the same Dominic Cruz of, you know, six, seven years ago when they fought. So it feels like you do have a lot of physical advantage beyond the skill level. You do have a lot of physical advantages over him also. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think with Dom, uh, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he took that fight on five and a half weeks notice coming off of the couch. And I think also coming off of an injury. Um, so yeah, that's not the same Dominic Cruz who would dance circles around you and the same Dominic Cruz that actually has the durability to, to take those, those big shots. Um, obviously the knee that he caught Dominic Cruz with was a big knee. And I think anyone who runs into that will probably get put away or definitely get really, really hurt. And it's the same thing I had said about the Cheeto fight with his last few, uh, few performances before fighting somebody durable, someone who's not going to get tired. Now, Henry Cejudo's in that same position. He's going to fight someone who's durable, not going to get tired, not not going to, uh, who's not taking a short notice fight, someone who's going to be in just as good of a shape as he's in and uh, who's a lot bigger. He had a hard time hitting Cruz. All he was able to really do was chop down his legs. And even in the Marlon Marais fight, he had a very difficult time in that first round doing anything offensively. Um, and I think he just bit down on his mouthpiece and was kind of like enough is enough and just went after Marlon. So I'll give him that. But Marlon got tired. And then at the end of that second round, Marlon caught him with the right hand that stumbled Sayudo, where to the point where the, the ref was actually holding him to like kind of making sure like, okay, like it almost looked like he was about to fall face first. Uh, so I want people to go back and watch that and see what I'm talking about. And yeah, you exchange with Marlon, bad things will happen to you, um, especially if you sit there and you let him and he gets a clean shot. So I don't know what his approach is to try to win this fight. It can't be to out wrestle me, and it can't be to like I think his only way of really winning is he needs a knockout. You know what I mean? So he ain't gonna submit me. I can't see so you know unless he got me really really hurt and then he just jumped on my neck and I just decided to be a pussy and just say <laughs> oh, tap. Um, that's the only way I can really see this fight going. And other than that, he would need to put a twenty five minute beat down on me because I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna be there the whole time in this guy's face, and that's what's gets me excited about this because this guy says all this shit that he says, and let's see him put his money where his mouth is and uh, go out there and prove it to the world because. One of us is going to be really right, and one of us is going to be really wrong, and I can't wait to go out there and prove it. Yeah, I thought of you recently uh, watching Pedro Munoz fight, you know, seeing, you know, the, the way that guy cracks, and it kind of reminded me of you going out there and out striking Pedro. People kind of forget about that for some reason. Like when you went out there and just used your striking for an entire fight and beat him, uh, that to me was one of the most impressive performances of your entire career. And everyone's talking about the wrestling here. Listen, Henry, again, he's an Olympic gold medalist. There's no shit. You know, there's no doubting that. But MMA wrestling is different than than college or Olympic level wrestling. And the way you grapple and the way you do that, it's like, it, it, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not an incredible wrestler. He is an incredible wrestler. I'd be lying if I sit here and try to discredit him. He's not. But that wrestling is not MMA wrestling and MMA grappling. And that's what you do very, very well. Like you didn't win an NCAA championship, but you've out wrestled guys who were wrestlers. You know what I mean? So like the idea that he's just going to come out and negate your wrestling, if you want to wrestle or whatever, it's kind of, I don't know. That's an interesting chess match in that aspect, but again, it's been MMA. Uh, and we have seen you go out there and strike with people before too. So there's a lot of, a lot of different ways you can approach this fight. Yeah. I, I predict that I take Henry down three or four times in this fight. I really do. And um, I think once I get my hands on him, he's going to realize that what people say about me is actually true. Um, I'm a bigger guy. I got the longer reach, the longer limbs. 
And all I need to do is lock my hands. If I lock my hands, that is a bad situation to be in. So I can't wait to go out there and, and take that gold medal and shove it up his ass and hit him a, uh, a nice L for his uh, efforts. So um, like th there's no animosity. So I want, I don't, I don't want that to come off that way. Like I'm not trying to force anything. I'm not trying to fake anything. The guy talks a lot, sat on the sidelines and talked so much shit and criticized everybody. It was, it's almost like, um, it's almost, and no disrespect to this guy, but it's almost like what Khabib did. Uh, when Khabib retired, he started to become a lot more vocal and it wasn't vocal in like a very humble or respectful way, I feel like. And I don't know if he did that intentionally or he didn't realize the way it was coming off. Henry's doing that, but I think it's very intentional and deliberate and uh someone needs to smack him in the face and thankfully he's actually coming back so i get to be the guy who gets to smack him in the face unfortunately khabib is never coming back so he the criticism that he does give people you know he's never gonna have to he's never gonna compete again so that is what it is for that so that's that's completely separate i'm just saying there's one there's a way you could you could kind of go about it but don't, don't sit on the sideline and, and bash fighters that's that's not that's never gonna be cool you know what i mean um unless you're going to write a check that you're asking cash kind of thing. So Henry's now in that situation and all the shit he said, like you're this YouTube guy now, right? Let's see who's YouTube breakdown and analysis are better. Let's see who's the, the real mastermind of MMA and see who's going to win this chess match. Cause I think this physical chess match is going to come down to um, a lot of grit. It's going to come down to um, the size. And I think it's going to come down to activity. I think at the end of the day, I've been more active and I think that's going to be the difference coming into this one. It's funny because we always talk about like mental mental strength in this fight, and and I would argue, Aljo, I don't think there's a mentally stronger fighter in mixed martial arts than yourself because everything you went through to get here, and then dealing with that first Yan fight in the aftermath, and we talk many times about that, just the bombardment of criticism you took, unfair criticism to this day, uh, and then to go back out there beat him convincingly, then you had TJ just chatting, 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 talking, talking, talking. I'm this, I'm that, and you got to beat him. I know everyone calls Henry the king of cringe, but like, it almost feels like after everything you've gone through, there's nothing Henry could really do to actually get under your skin. Cause I'm like, dude, Aljamain's already gone through the ringer of stuff like that. Like whatever Henry's going to say is probably going to bounce right off you at this point. Cause you've already dealt with far worse than that. Yeah. It's it, even when we did our little ESPN thing and he's saying stuff, I'm like, I feel like you just say stuff just to say stuff. <laughs> I, that, that's what I really feel like. And then I have to ask, like, I have to wonder if he thinks like I'm these other guys that he's competed against, like words don't bother me. It, it really doesn't. If anything, it motivates me and it makes me want to take the words and shove it up. It, like it's more about bragging rights for me than anything. It's just like, okay, we'll, we'll see. Oh, you think I can't strike? Okay. We'll see. You think I can't take you down? Okay. We'll see. And it's just one of those things. It's not like I need to hate you to kind of get up for the fight. At the end of the day, you're trying to do something bad to me, and I can't allow that to happen. And the only way I could do that is to go out there and beat your ass first. So um, Henry can say whatever he wants. Uh, I think I've shown that even if the world is against me, I'm still going to fight back. I'll chirp back, and nothing's going to get inside my head and deter me from doing and believing what I believe in. You mentioned it earlier, so I'll ask you real quick here, Aljo. You said that, you know, Henry came back. He got this immediate title shot. Deserve it. You know, deserved or not, doesn't matter. He got it. He's getting it. But is there a part of you that thinks you go out there and beat him uh, at UFC 288? That's probably it for him. Like, he'll probably walk away again. Because I can't imagine him losing and then saying, oh, man, I can't wait to climb back up the ranks again. Like, he had already walked away 
We all know why. Maybe he thought he was going to get a bigger offer from the UFC. They didn't really come calling, so he came back now. Um, is there part of you that thinks, like, you beat him, he may just be gone again? I think Henry Sayudo disappears into the darkness again, gone into the abyss, um, depending on how bad he gets his ass whipped. Uh, that's what I really do think. If it's a close fight, I think maybe he thinks I can still make a run at this. And again, styles make fights, you know? So even if he doesn't get an absolute annihilation from me, like say I can't take him down. I, this is the way I really look at the fights. If I can't take him down and I just outstrike him, but it's like a close striking fight. Okay. I can see him being like, I can stick around and compete with these guys. But now he goes out there and fights a guy who can actually strike um, predominantly. And that's more of their strength. Uh, versus my strength being predominantly more grappling based, ground and pound. Uh, I think it's a different it's a different game and a different scenario. He has to ask himself, does he really want to be in there with someone who could piece him up from the outside? And that's going to be hard to close the distance on a Sanhagen. Even O'Malley, I think O'Malley is a tough fight for him. Uh, he might not believe it, but O'Malley's got those kicks. He's got those step in knees and and uh, he's hard to hit. He's got very accurate shot, shots and he's got great lateral footwork. Sayudo's a guy who primarily goes forward and back. You get a guy who's good at going laterally and can kind of hit you with juke moves. It's a very difficult puzzle to figure out. Um, you get a guy like Pedro who kind of stands in front of you looking to land that big shot. That's more of a fight that I think Henry will have more success with. The guys like Jan who will stand right in front of you. Guys like myself, a Marab, um, an Umar, um, a Ricky Simone. Those type of guys that are going to move, can actually wrestle. Uh, Sanhagen, who's long and lanky, that, those are going to be problematic fights for him. I, I truly do believe that. Uh, and I think the size difference, like at 125, he's comparable in his frame. At 135, he's going to be fighting guys who are a lot bigger and rangier. Um, what's his reach? 64, 63? I, I don't know. I my, my reach is 71. So good luck getting past the jab <laughs> and good luck trying to kick my calf from the outside the entire fight like if that's your game plan bro <laughs> it's gonna be a rough night for henry that's all i can say if that's your game plan it's gonna be a rough night yeah absolutely uh real quick Aljo, before i get you out of here i gotta you know obviously we've talked before about you know your future your focus right now is 100 on henry cejudo we know Sean O'Malley is next. And again, it seems like he's going to wait and, and try to get the title fight. And it makes sense. And that's a big fight. But you've said very honestly that your time is limited at Bantamweight. You know you're eventually going to go up. Is there a chance it's Cejudo and O'Malley and then it's featherweight title? Is there a possibility that's the path for you? Oh, very, very likely that's the path. But I'm just going to see how this fight goes, see how the weight cut goes. Um there could be a chance. And I don't want to put this in the air because then people start to say stupid things like, oh, that's the wrong mindset to have. I'm like, really? Because you've done it so many times. Please, <laughs> please explain to me what your mindset has been in your fights beforehand or afterwards. You know what I mean? Uh, at the end of the day, depending on how this goes and the difficulty, I've been, I think I did a better job so far of managing my weight. Uh, this can maybe even be the last one. And I think it just depends on how everything Runs, man. Making 135 is not easy. Uh, I, I do it. It pays the bills. It's my job. And we'll see what happens. Um, it's, yeah, it's not easy, man. I'm getting older, man. 33 years old. <sighs> cut down from 
about 68 pounds. Sometimes I'm 65, 65 to 68, sometimes 70, cutting down from all, like when I'm not training, that's what I walk around at. That's my natural state. And I'm not like fat or out of shape looking uh, from, from a fighter profile, I guess. Um, but to cut down, man, I, I feel like I lose a lot getting down to this weight. And I feel like my body has, has been, it's become more difficult to make the weight class. Um, so we'll see. I'm just taking it day by day, fight by fight. And then we can make a decision. And I would love to see my guy, Marab, get a crack at the title. I, I want to make sure that the UFC actually grants him, like guarantees him like, hey, you are the next guy. You know what I mean? Because right now I feel like what's going on is people are saying, oh, you're holding your friend back or, or um, Marab can't fight for the title if he won't fight you. I'm like, well, he hasn't had a number one contender fight technically in the UFC, UFC eyes. So what we need to happen is that he has his guarantee, like you win this, you are next for the title shot. And if you don't fight for the title, you get passed. So now when you're in that situation, now it's a real thing, not, hey, you might be fighting for the title, but you got to fight your friend. I'm like, well, you guys are trying to make something that's hypothetical that's never even been offered. If it's been offered, now it's a real thing. Right now, it's not a real thing. I think people are just trying to just say that to kind of get under our skins and thinking that they can ruffle our feathers, but... Rob's like Rob's like my brother, man. Like, I don't know what people are crazy. Like, you think we're gonna fight for it's it's it nah, you know. So that that's my answer, my long-winded answer. Like, if like I'm gonna go up, I want to keep fighting. This is how I make my money, this is how I make my living. And um, you know, obviously I haven't been getting banged up too bad to the point where it's just like, yeah, this job is hard. <laughs> so it's hard. The training is harder than the fights, usually. Um, but, uh, I think at 45, it'll be a lot of new blood for me to compete with and to challenge myself and to see if I can truly compete with those guys, but to actually do it right, took a few months to get myself bigger, um, muscular and strong enough, explosive enough to compete with those guys who are going to now be taller than me, um, and kind of go from it like that. That's, that's the way I'm kind of approaching this. Can I imagine though everything goes well and you do make that move? Do you I you gotta go up as champion to do the champ versus champ fight? Hold under the belt long enough to do that though, right? Like you gotta do champ versus champ. Because you and Volkanovsky, incredible fight. Volkanovsky, we know how good he is, and that's I mean, come on, that's the selling point, right? So you gotta hold on the belt that long, right? I'm just saying if Islam got to his back, I know he's <laughs> a bigger guy, but listen, man, you don't want me on your back, brother. You don't want me on your back. And not even it's not even just the back. I think my game from Islam is a lot different. Uh, I don't like I only take the back because that's what people give me. But I want to be in the top position. I want to be in the guard or half guard or um, mounted position because that's where I do my most damaging work. And even from the guard, man, I've beaten some guys up pretty bad to the point where uh, they they either stick their neck out and just let me get the choke or not let me let me get it, but I take the choke instead. Um, but I think that's the the difference with my style and his It's more of a hybrid. And, uh, I think even when I fought Jan the second time, he did a good job of just keeping me on his back and freezing my hands. Because if there was any moment where he tried to get out, like TJ did, you let me get to Mount. That's a bad night. I, I don't care who you are. You let me get to that position where I can start landing these elbows. It's, it's a bad position to be in. And that's in my honest, humble opinion. Um, so We'll see what happens. Right now, I'm not trying to count my chickens before they hatch. You know, I want to make sure I take care of this in front of me and then go about it like that. 
Yeah, well, I do love your attitude, and I know I had said to you and Marab, I said, I'm no longer going to ask either one of you about fighting each other because you've been very, you know, very uh, adamant about that, and I respect you about that, but it's funny, I've talked to a couple other guys, uh, Matt Brown, who does my podcast with me normally, and he's like, I respect Aljo, I respect him not wanting to fight his friend, like, there's a lot there, and I think a lot of people have come around on that, and I know Dana's got to say what Dana's got to say, and I get it, there's business there, but I respect the hell out of you guys sticking to it and being like, hey, our friendship matters more than, you know, money and, and titles and, and he'll get there. He's going to get, I mean, look what he did to Peter Young. What an incredible performance, man. Marab's a monster. And I know there is no bigger fan of Marab Dwalishvili than Aljamain Sterling. And I know there's no bigger Aljamain Sterling fan than Marab Dwalishvili. So I respect that. Like you've said numerous times, Hey, I will eventually go up and he can get the title. Uh, and he said, I know Aljo will eventually go up and I can get the title. Like I respect the hell out of you guys for sticking to that because you know, we've seen it. Like this, the sport can chip away at you, man. And then people can chip away at you and say, oh, you got to fight. Come on, come on. You got to do it. And, you know, things happen. I respect the hell out of you guys sticking to your guns and say, we're not going to fight. His day will come and my day will come to move on. Yeah, 100%. You know, we both came from literally a very similar situation. And, uh, man, we both worked so hard to get this position. Who would think two guys from the same gym could ever even be in this conversation. It's it's not easy to do. I know there's another one with Chris Gutierrez and Jonathan Martinez. I know, although Chris Gutierrez just lost, but that's like, it's a very difficult thing to accomplish. Two guys, the same weight, from the same gym, from the very beginning, working their way up, and then both of them in a position where they can fight for the titles. Not very often you see that. And um, I know most people would be super eager to be like, yeah, I'll fight that motherfucker. It's like, <laughs> with no hesitation, but... I, I think those are people who are kind of just floating in the rooms in and out and they're not really friends. They're not really training. They're just more so like I'm here to do a job and that's it. Like we're not really as cool as you might think, you know? So, and that to me is kind of fake and phony. Um, I wouldn't be here for, if it wasn't for Marab. And uh, I think I would like to think vice versa for him as well in terms of uh, being training partners and in terms of structuring workouts with each other where you know, we got our head coaches, but for the most part, we run our own practices, at least for me. I know for me, 100%, I structure my training weeks. I structure my practices, and I've been doing that since, what, 20, since almost since the beginning of my fighting career. And maybe not the beginning, because I don't want to, I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to come off like it's discrediting people. Like there, like, there has definitely been people helping out, but structuring my workouts and things like that and game planning and breaking down film that's been pretty much me my entire career you know so um and you know i help Marab out with a lot of stuff i watch film i break it down i show him some stuff and i we we go over stuff and at the end of the day he puts in the work and that's it man and so it's good to, i like to see him succeed that's that's all it is and we're neighbors we actually are literally neighbors in, in las vegas you know so yeah can't go fighting my neighbor that's what it's funny. The quote I thought of from Matt when he said, he's like, Matt, Matt said, Matt Brown said, I fought teammates and I fought training partners, but I would never fight a friend. And I thought yeah. that was a great way to say it. Like, I, yeah, that's true. Like, he's not just a teammate and a training partner. He's a friend. And that's what Matt said. And it kind of struck home with me. He's like, I would fight a teammate. I fought for, I fought training partners. I would never fight a friend. Yes. And it's, it's very different, man. I can tell you that it's very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And like I said, I love the relationship you guys had, man. How awesome was that performance against Piotr Jan, man? What a, what an eye-opening performance from Rabble. Now I think he put a lot of people, I think he, he, I think he convinced a lot of people how good he was with that fight. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of people thought it was all talk. I'm like, no, you guys don't get it. <laughs> like, this guy will spar three rounds and then go sparring two, three other people, three more rounds each. So that's a total of like nine rounds of that same pace, that same intensity. And uh, he's not like the greatest at holding people down, but he doesn't care. He'll take you down, throw you on the ground. <laughs> And then he'll turn his back and just stand up and he's bouncing around waiting. It's the funniest thing because we're all just sitting there laughing. He's like, I wonder when this guy's going to be like, enough is enough for the day. <laughs> not, not for him, his, his practice partners. You know, so it's always uh, fun to watch Marab spark because he's just going to go, man. He's an energizer bunny. Yeah. Is, uh, is Marab going to be in your corner for this one, I assume? Yeah. Him, uh, Ally Quinta, I believe, Ray Longo. And um, I think we got Matt Sarah back. Okay. Loudest, <laughs> how can you not have the loudest man in MMA history in your corner? Come on now. There's no better. That's, it's so funny. I, one of the first things I remember from earlier UFC career uh, was when I learned your nickname is Aljo because early on, you know, whatever it is, it was, it was Matt Sarah in your corner shouting, Aljo, Aljo, go here. Aljo, do this. It was so <laughs> funny. That's, that's how I learned the Aljo nickname was from Matt Sarah screaming it in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. I know that whole little thing that we we had and, you know, we spoke and um, I think now that some time has passed, it's it's kind, I don't want to say water under the bridge, but I, I think there's more of an understanding of what actually um, happened between of us, between us. Um, so we're all good, man. Even after that, like we spoke, but I, I think it was still a kind of a an open wound to, to just jump right back in. Um, but I think now that some time has passed and, uh, you know, more training sessions and things like that. I think it's, I, it just feels right. You know, especially title fight, East coast, New Jersey, where all of us have fought multiple times where he's cornered me, um, where these guys have cornered me, it'd be good to have the old band back together. So uh, I think people are going to be, I think a lot of people who who know us from the very beginning are going to be excited for this, you know, just not, not even just for the fight, but just to see all of us together again. Yeah, that's like the the crew right there, right? Like that's the original crew. So it's and you're fighting in Jersey, so it kind of makes sense. So uh, I love it. Uh, Matt's a Matt's a great guy, man. I know he's been there from the very beginning. So it'd be cool to see him back in your corner. Um, Aljamain, I appreciate you always taking the time. You're one of the busiest guys in the world. Uh, so I always appreciate you doing this with me. Obviously, safe training the rest of the way. Uh, safe drive. I don't know if you're driving or taking the train down to Jersey, but safe travels down to Jersey. It's a quick trip for you, I'm sure. Uh, so safe travels down there. Best of luck in the fight with Henry Cejudo. Not that you need it. And uh, thank you as always for the time you know i really do appreciate it thank you damien i appreciate it we'll talk soon okay all right, all right the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Big thanks as always to Aljamain Sterling. Always a fun conversation. I really appreciate him taking the time, especially uh, this close to the fight, and uh, also for a very wide range of topics we tackled in a, in a pretty lengthy interview there. So uh, look forward to him fighting on Saturday night against Henry Cejudo in the main event. Now, the co-main event came together on extremely short notice. Now, I already did a story on this about a week ago with Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad both taking this fight after UFC 288 lost Benil Dariush and Charles Oliveira. These two got the call. They stepped in. They stepped up. And now they're going to be fighting not only in a co-main event, but a five-round co-main event. Uh, I did a story where they talked about how this all came together, how it became five rounds, how they both asked for Colby Covington, all those kind of things. So now here's the actual interviews with both guys. Uh, this was recorded literally a couple of days after the fight got announced, so about a week ago. Uh, they talk about they talk about how the fight happened, uh, how they got the offer, who they who made the offer, uh, how it got to five rounds, and of course the expectation that this fight will potentially determine a number one contender in the division. I don't think it's going to jump either of them over Colby Covington. For some reason, the UFC is obsessed with booking Colby Covington against Leon Edwards. I'm not really sure why, but that appears to be the fight we're going to get later this year. So I would say Gilbert versus Bilal is a number one contender's fight. Beyond that fight, the winner would then fight the winner of Colby Covington and Leon Edwards. Again, I'm just guessing, but it seems like that's the direction the UFC is heading right now. So let me kick things off first with Bilal Muhammad. Of course, he has taken this fight on short notice after his last appearance in October 2022 when he beat Sean Brady by knockout uh, seemed like he was the number one guy seemed like he was probably next in line and then again out of nowhere here comes Colby Covington so we're going to talk to Bilal about that and about his approach for this fight and of course his future uh, as he looks to build on I believe a nine fight undefeated streak so here's my interview with Bilal Muhammad Short notice fights or short notice interviews, this man does not blink when the call comes to him. He is one of the top welterweights in the world, and now he will co-main event UFC 288 in a co in a five-round fight against Gilbert Burns in a fight that I think we have to imagine will determine a number one contender in that division. I am always happy to speak to Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, how are you, my friend? Good, my brother. You know, it's our holiday right now, so perfect timing. Uh, last uh, month is over with. Now it's time for war. I was going to say Eid Mubarak. I know, of course, Ramadan, of course, just came to an end. Um, man, this last, I mean, listen, this last week or so has been kind of wild. I, I, I wish I could, I, I wish I could ask you a better question, but let me just ask you, like, how did this all happen? How did this all come about? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, it was, I forgot what it was. Like last week I was in Canada and I was doing, um, uh, like a charity work out there working with the organization. 
And I just saw that the Benio Darush fight got canceled. And I was like, oh, crap. So then I hit up, uh, you know, my manager, and I was like, yo, where's Kobe at? Let's try to get Kobe on the card. And he hit me up back, like, the next day, and he was like, um, Kobe's not going to do it, but Gilbert will. And I was like, oh, okay, let's go. And I was still out there, you know, just sitting there talking, and then, you know, going back and forth on, tw on Twitter with Gilbert uh having fun with that but um yeah it was just going they're saying oh man it's gonna happen then the next day they'll be like i don't think it's happening then they were like another fight may be coming up so then i was like bro i need to notice right now because my family's planning a vacation trip for uh the holiday and i was like am i going with them or am i not am i gonna be in the gym so i need to know this right now and you know the deal just got done yesterday so what what was it so I know that I know Gilbert had put out like he again. This is all Twitter talk. So again, I understand is you know what's actually going on behind the scenes may not be what's going on Twitter. But was there was there talk about a weight like a catch weight or a different weight? Because I know you posted videos like you were getting down in weight, you were comfortable with the weight. But I know you'd said now this guy can't make weight. So what what was going on there? Uh, for me, it was I was like I said I was in Canada and I was sitting there at a holiday. And I saw you know I wanted to try some Canada puccini. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, bro, man, all right, let, me, let me see if I can get this at a catchway so I can have some of this freaking fries with gravy on there. And, you know, he wasn't budging. So I was like, all right, you know what? He's going to make me work that much extra harder. It's fine. It's not even a hard wake up for me anyway. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm just going to make a pay for it now because I, I can't have the fries. I'm in Canada and I can't touch the fries. It's going to be annoying. <laughs> now what about the five rounds because taking a short notice fight is one thing although this is nothing new to you you did it with leon edwards of course but uh how did the five rounds because this is this is a little more unusual because typically co-main events unless it's a title fight are not five rounds so was that your suggestion his suggestion ufc suggestion who came up with that i wanted the five rounds honestly for me it's like you know when you look back and you see the like the legendary stories, some of the biggest legendary stories with a guy stepping up on short notice. And Michael Bisming was one of the guys that I always loved to watch. And, you know, his story was kind of similar to mine. And then, you know, when he took that Luke Rockhold fight on short notice, it was his title fight. This big fight for me. This is my title fight. This is my, I know I beat him. I'm fighting for the title. This is my biggest moment. So I wanted it to be five rounds so it could feel like that big moment. It's, it's all on the line for this one for me. It's all or nothing. And I'm going all in. So I was like, I want this fight to be five rounders because the winner is going to be fighting for the title anyway. And I don't want none of my other, none of my next fights. I didn't want nothing but a championship rounds because I'm a champion. And I, I needed it to be five rounds. I love it. I love that attitude. Now, Bilal, just being honest, of course, Gilbert is just coming off a fight. A matter of weeks ago, I talked to him like a couple of days after the fight. He got a big one over Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I know, of course, you know, you, 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 when you get out of a fight, you're not training right away. But I know, you know, typically he's a guy who trains a lot. But again, he just had a fight a couple of weeks ago. You haven't. You haven't fought since last October. So in reality, and I know, again, you've done this before with, with Leon Edwards. How ready were you in terms of preparation? I know you never really leave the gym, but training for the gym and also, of course, you know, you were going through Ramadan and then getting ready for a fight are two different things. So, like, how confident were you when you got that call or I guess you made the call that you wanted to, uh, to fight on short notice? I mean, for me, sometimes it's not even about being ready. I think it just comes down to who has the guts and who wants the glory and I want all the glory and I'm a guy that's always in the gym no matter what. And for me, it's not looking at it and saying, Oh man, let me see if I can jog this real quick or let me see where my cardio level is at. It's like, if I'm going to war right now and I'm going for a fight and we're fighting to the death, I'm not going to sit there and check my heart rate or anything like that right now. I'm going to just step up and I'm going to fight. 
So it had nothing to do with me. It's not about even being in shape or not in shape. I'm always ready to fight. I'm always ready to throw it on. My teammate was just fighting um, Ignacio Bon Mondes. He got a huge win last week. So I've been in the gym with him, training, helping him for his whole camp. And like you said, I'm always in the gym regardless. And sometimes it's not about in shape or not in shape. Sometimes it's about, yo, who has the biggest heart and uh, who has the most will? And I have all of that. And I even for right now during Ramadan, training during it, pushing myself through it, my mental state is at a whole new level. And I always feel the strongest mentally during Ramadan. So as long as my mental's right, my body's right, the fight's going to be right. Uh, you probably remember a couple of years ago, you know, we did a story where you talked about, you know, you were one of the guys who would fight during Ramadan. And I, listen, I totally understood when guys like Habib or Islam guys said, you know, we want to not fight during that time, not have a training camp during that time and fight later in the year. And I, I totally understood. But you were one of the guys who said, no, I do it. And you, and you explain why you did it. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like, this is literally coming up the last day of Ramadan last night. It's like the timing is crazy because, again, you were one of those guys who spoke out and said you you don't care. Like, you understand why guys don't do it but you've always made it a conscious choice to do it and here you are getting this this short notice fight right yeah yeah it's funny because I, I tell myself and i'm like all right well that was the last one during ramadan that was the last one <laughs> and then i was like they they but they always offer me something during ramadan so it's, it happens every year and then i was like and oh good thing they didn't they never offered me anything this year yet so it was like funny but then i was like oh you know it had to come to fruition right they always had to do it and it ended up being the last week so that that, that was a uh, funny part about the whole thing yeah so we're gonna get to gilbert in a second uh we had a, a you know really good interview a few weeks ago talking about colby covington the whole situation there and i'm sure you saw i did the interview with leon edwards and leon said that you know he's not coming back till october he's not gonna fight in july it's too soon and i understand he did have a five-round fight in march it is a quick turnaround and things like that he said october um and even he's like he's like i still understand the colby of it he's like i think you know he should fight one more time if he wins then fine give him a title shot so we know he's not coming back so when you say colby immediately i was like yeah that makes sense colby's been out for over a year he's gonna now have to wait till october if he's still getting the title shot you probably knew in the back of your head when you asked for him it wasn't gonna happen but like i don't know i gotta get your reaction to that because it seems like now we know leon's not coming back till october colby fighting now would kind of make the most sense yeah for me you know nowadays now i got an opponent now i got a name and it's a it's a ranked guy and it's a it's a big opportunity a huge opportunity for me so like i don't even want to give kobe any call any attention so his name doesn't even matter right now the two best welterweights in the division two number one ranked guys i think uh are fighting each other on may 6th and we're the only ones that are willing to step up and fight the, the next best guy always that the, the, we're the ones that are always willing to to go in there and put on a show so i think that for the ufc for the fans they know what the real number one contender fight is whether they give it to them next or whatever, it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's like, I know if I win this fight, my next fight's going to be for the title regardless. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I know you don't want to talk about it, but I got to ask Abilal, where's the t-shirt? Because the Colby t-shirt was pretty brilliant. I did love the t-shirt. By the way, he didn't go to the event. Unless I missed it, he didn't actually show up. The King of Miami didn't go to, to, didn't go to the Miami card. Yeah, exactly. He saw me with the t-shirt on. He's like, oh man, I can't show my face there right now. <laughs> but I was like, I think so many people are like messaging me like, Hey, bro, I'm in the crowd. I'm, I'm going to record it when he comes in. Don't worry. I'll let you know. And I was just like, I don't think he's going to show up. But, uh, man, the, the, the event was just good. The, the event was great. You know, I had a, my teammate won. The fights were great. The, the main event was amazing. And uh, just the energy over there was good. So, like, just being there, being a part of the crowd, being uh, a fan, it just, like, hyped me up, too, where I wanted to get a fight going. I wanted to get something going. And, you know, it, it all worked out in the end. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, brilliant idea on the T-shirt. I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic idea. Even though it's not the fight you ended up getting, I loved the T-shirt. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do with it. Maybe auction it off for a charity one day and, and <laughs> to do something like that. I think it'd be really funny. <laughs> yeah, I was I was ready. I think somebody would put them on sale. I was like, my brother's like, man, these people work fast. Somebody like put them on sale on, on uh, some website. And I was like, bro, I need a freaking piece of that uh, that pie. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now Gilbert Burns, you know, you guys share the same manager, but you don't train together. You know, obviously you know him very well. Is this like this opportunity to fight him? I imagine there's a lot of respect between you guys. I mean, Gilbert's an incredibly nice guy and I actually spoke to Gilbert after his fight. You know, when he apologized to Masvidal making the whole greasing allegation, he's like, basically told me, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be, I want my children to be proud of me. I don't want to be the guy putting kind of negative things out in the air. And I wanted to apologize for that. He seems like he's a very honorable guy. Very good dude. Um, I don't, do you take that fight this way? I mean, everything's a little personal because the guy's trying to take your dream away from you, but like, does this feel different than maybe Leon or even like, you know, Sean Brady, when he was kind of talking a little bit of trash, like, does this feel just like, it's just a fight. There's, there's really no personal bad blood here. Yeah, I mean, there's no bad blood at all. But like you said, every single opponent I have, they're trying to take what I want. They're trying to take what I have. So it's it, it, it gets personal at that level. But it's not like there's no hate or anything there. Like we have all a lot of the same friends. When uh, we were there in Miami last week, we were in the same training room with uh, his team. Henry Roof's the man. So it's like Jared Gordon is his boy. So it's it's, it's all good for me. There's nothing. I don't think there'll be any like. Oh, I hate Brazil or uh, <laughs> me, uh, me stay in Brazil sucks. Like Philly sucks. Uh, but you know, it, it's all good, man. Uh, it's all business for me. Yeah. Did you, what did you, obviously you were there. What did you think of Gilbert's fight with Jorge? Um, that fight, I, I mean, it wasn't really much to, to see off it. I think Jorge looked old. I don't think, I think Jorge like had it in his mind before the fight that he was gonna, probably going to retire and, you know, he's an OG of the, the game. He's a guy that, you know, I've been watching since I was younger and things like that. So it was cool to see his final fight in Miami. But for for Gilbert, it wasn't really – there was really nothing crazy that happened in the fight. Like, if he would have got a finish or something, I was worried that maybe he'll skip the line in front of me. Uh, but the fact that he won just a decision, uh, I was just glad that they kept me in the rankings ahead of him because I, th- I don't think it deserved that much of hype or anything like that. I, you know, I don't get a ton into game plan and things like that, Blau. We know what you do well. We know what he does well. But just stylistically, can you just give me a sense of how you think this fight matches up? Because, again, um, you know, you, I mean, you know Gilbert very well. We know what you do well. Uh, you know, obviously you're not going to have a full training camp. But, again, you never really leave the gym. So I know you're training and getting ready. Uh, can you just give me a sense of, without giving away game plan, like a sense of, of what you think of this matchup in terms of styles? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where – I've already beaten so many styles in the UFC. You know, I've beaten the best grappler in the UFC and Damian Maya. I've beaten the the great, the best striker in Wonderboy. I've beaten a guy who trains with him, Luke, who's good everywhere like that. I just beat this last guy who's supposed to be the, the strongest guy in the UFC, and Sean Brady. So I, I've, I'm universal with everything I do, and I know that I'm the best all-around fighter in the welterweight division. So it's, for me, it's going in there and just just keep proving myself. It's going in there and just showing the world that, all right, well, you have an excuse for this, excuse for this. This guy lost because of this. This guy lost because of that. Now, I'm the one getting off the couch in two weeks. I'm the one stepping up in two-week notice. I'm the one that didn't just have a full camp. 
there is no excuses after I win this fight. There's nothing else you can say. There's nothing that you could come up or bring up or uh, lie about. Like, I win this fight. If you don't give my respect, you're just a hater. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, the fact that you, the fact that you wanted this five rounds on short notice. Now, I know you're a five round fighter. You were the guy. You're like the Energizer Bunny. You don't slow down. You just keep going. It feels like in a way, a five round fight's always going to be advantageous for your style because the way you push the pace, you kind of break the will of your opponents by pushing them harder than they can push back, and that gives you more time. Uh, but do you feel like the cardio, the condition that's always going to be a weapon, whether it's this fight, another fight, any fight, but especially on short notice, because even though he was, I mean, he was training for a three round fight you're a guy who just i feel like you're always training for five rounds like that's what you do that's who you are yeah exactly for me i'm always a, i'm a five round fighter that's that's what i do i'm a championship fighter i'm a championship round fighter so i need it to be five rounds with whoever i'm fighting because i love taking guys to the deep end of the the pool i love drowning these guys and when they're in a cage with me they, a million of these guys will underestimate me. They'll underestimate my strength. They'll underestimate my grappling. They'll underestimate my striking. Um, and all they think is, oh, this guy has cardio. So when they go in there and they're getting punched in the face for three rounds, it's hurting them. But now you got to get punched in the face for five rounds. Now you got to see me in your face for five full rounds. Now you got to sit there and think like, man, I should have just went on this victory tour and, <laughs> and you know, and with family uh, this fight. Because you're, you're taking a fight with somebody that wants it more than you. You're taking a fight with somebody that you don't know how bad that I want to be this champion. You don't know how bad or what I'm willing to do. Because there ain't no other fighter in this world that's willing to do what I'm willing to do. And what I'm willing to put my body through is way more than what you're willing to put your body through. So on that day, on May 6th, when it gets to the fourth and fifth round, you're going to realize that you made a mistake. I love it. I love it. Now, Bilal, when we when we came out of the UFC 286 card and, and Dana announced Colby as the number one contender, we kept hearing Colby stepped up. He stepped up. He flew to London. He weighed in. He did all this, man. It was great. And, you know, we're giving the title show. He, he stepped up. Bilal, you're stepping up in a, in a bigger way. You're stepping up on less than two weeks' notice, a co-main event, and a five-round fight, in a lot of ways helping to save this card. Obviously, all due respect, of course, to Aljamain and Henry Cejudo, incredible main event. But in terms of like, you know, building the card, this card took a major hit, losing Benil and Charles Oliveira. You guys are helping that, and you're going to help sell the pay-per-view. Um, can I wonder, like, when it's all over, you get your hand raised, uh, is there any chance you might send that little message back to Dana White and say, you remember, Dana, I stepped up? <laughs> I mean, honestly, for me, it's not even really stepping up for the UFC. It's like, for me, it's when I was a, when I was younger and I was a fan and we went to, we were at the, I think it was DC uh, against John Jones part two. And I think the fight just got canceled the day before or uh, the week of. Uh, that fight, it was supposed to happen. I was like so mad because we bought tickets. We were going to Vegas and the whole card that that main event got canceled. I was like, oh, what the heck? But I was always a fan of the fights, all the fighters regardless. But like the people that I was with, they only wanted to go for the John Jones DC fight. fight. And then just like seeing how mad they got, I was sitting there thinking about this card. Like, man, imagine if this is your first fight in the UFC. You're, you're a kid. You're going to your first event. And the co-main event just got canceled. You're like, oh, what the heck? I wanted to see Oliveira. I wanted to see Benil. And I was like, I've been there. I know what that feels like to be a fan and to have that taken away from you, a big fight. So I was like, I'm doing it basically. I want them to remember me. I want them to be like, man, this guy stepped up on that day. He's a legend. And he did it without asking for anything else, without asking for anything extra. I don't I don't need the flowers. Uh, I want to just do it because 
at the end of the day, you want to be remembered as a legend. And I think coming out there, winning this fight, uh, that's what legends are made of. You 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 say that I, I, like I said it, it it just makes me respect you that much more. Bilal, you're saying you're doing this without any promises, because you said we know this is the number one contenders fight. It is. It just is. I you know I, I I talked to Leon and and he said exactly that. He's like I just want these guys to have one more fight, one more win, and get. He said about Gilbert. He said about you. He said about Colby. He's like one more win. I'm not coming back to October. Makes the most sense. Let one guy get one more win, and then they fight me in October uh, when I come back. Uh, and, and I asked, I asked Leon about it and, and, you know, he kind of said, yeah, he, he feels bad for you because like, you know, you're the guy on the win streak and you're kind of getting passed over for no, no, you know, no particular reason. Um, not to bring it full circle to this though, Bilal, but like, this is a number one contender's fight. Like, I, I know they haven't promised you that. I know you're not asking for that, but this is, it is a number one contender. This is the fight that's going to get you a title shot. I have no doubt in my mind. I don't know how it can't. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to sit there and say it. This is the fight that the fans will say it for me. Like, I had so many people that would come out to my defense and say, oh, how the heck are you going to pass it up to this guy? How are you going to pass it up to him? And, you know, it's I'm always appreciative of the fans and the people that always got my back. But I was sitting there and I was like, I'm not going to sit here ranking and wait for something to happen. I was calling for the next best guy. I'm calling for... Usman. I'm waiting to see if that fight would happen. I'm calling to see uh, if Gilbert wants to fight again. I'm calling to see if uh, uh, Kobe wants to fight. And I knew that my road would be the hardest road. I knew that nothing would, would ever be given to me. I knew that I wasn't going to be the guy that they were going to give me one fight and I'm fighting for the title. I knew that I was going to have to climb this ladder and claw my way to the top and even still claw my way to the top, freaking bleeding fingernails. They're still not going to give it to me. So I had to go out there and take it. And I think this is the moment, my moment, where I go out there and I take it and I prove to them that I am the man. I am the guy that you guys can call your champion. I'm the guy that you can promote as your champion. I'm the guy that once I had the belt around my waist, I'll basically have beaten 90% of these ranked fighters in the division. And then you'll be looking at me like, oh, man, should this guy move up to 185 and be a double champ right now? I love it. I love it. It's funny. There was this old pro wrestling storyline years ago and Vince McMahon, you know, your, your, your business partner, Vince McMahon, now that the UFC and WWE are together, he said something. It was a, it was a storyline. He said, Bret Hart, it was involving Bret Hart and he goes, Bret screwed Bret. And it was an old storyline that popped in my head when you said you tried to get Colby. And I was like, Colby just screwed Colby because if Colby would have taken this fight, it would have been a natural number one contenders fight. Now, again, not to bring it back to Colby Bilal, but just saying the winner of this fight has legitimate earned a title shot and with with Leon not coming back till October seems to make a lot of sense. I'm just I'm saying this Bilal I'm saying that this seems like uh in a way it's like Brett it's like a Colby school Colby screwed Colby in this one yeah I mean exactly he wants to come back in October he said at Abu Dhabi and imagine fighting in Abu Dhabi for a title that would be the biggest event that you could make the UFC could make the biggest event that you could bring to Abu Dhabi I think and especially being a Muslim being an Arab I'm I'm them. That's that's what I am. Yeah, you know, you could sit there and say this guy or that guy or that guy would be a, a bigger name, but there's nobody that's going to go to Abu Dhabi and bring them as much attention as me fighting there would be. Yeah, I don't know if you believe in fate, but you said to me when we spoke before, you said you hope Leon sticks to his guns and he and he's you know st- you know sticks by what he says. 
Sure seems like he is. I'm not fighting in July. I'm not getting rushed into a fight, and I respect him for that. And he says, I still, I'm not, Colby's not the guy. He's just not. Uh, I don't know if you believe in fate, but it sure seems like fate's shining on you today, Bilal, because yes, this is a short notice fight. And yes, it's not the best circumstances. But if you go out there and win and do what you've been doing for the last 10 fights, uh, Sure seems like Leon Edwards has got your back, so I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if you believe in fate, but it sure seems like fate's shining down on you right now. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, in our religion, we call it the what? It's God's plan is bigger than your plan, no matter what. And when I'm looking at the way that stuff is panning out, the way that story is being written right now, it's like it's all meant to be, and it's all I'm put here for this reason. I was ready for this reason. I was in shape for this reason. So on May 6th, I'm going to show you what that reason really is. Bilal, you're a legend, man. Just doing this, saving this card, helping to step up. I know you're the guy who always does this. I know the UFC appreciates, but more than anything, and I, and I sincerely mean this, the fact that you're doing this without any promises, you didn't say, well, I'll do it if you give me this, or I'll do it if you promise me a title shot, these kind of things. You just did it because that's who you are. Uh, that says a lot, and and we know you're the man. I think, you've got a, I think you've gained a lot of fans by your perspective and your attitude over these last few weeks, and uh, you know I'm always tuning in to watch you every single time, but I cannot wait for May 6th. This is a massive fight. Gilbert's a great fighter, great dude. Uh, you're a great fighter, a great dude. I just think this is going to be a phenomenal matchup, man. Five rounds, Jersey. Uh, I can't wait. You can't wait. And uh, sincerely, when I say this, thank you for doing this. You got a million things going on right now. The fact that you spare 20 minutes for me uh, does mean the world. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Always, man. Appreciate you. Always appreciate the support, bro. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk after another big win. Yes, sir. My brother. Uh, talk soon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tremendous, tremendous respect for a guy like Bilal Muhammad risking it all. You know, really risking it all on short notice to, to help save this event, give this event a big co-main event. Because let's be honest, I mean, Bilal is taking the bigger risk here. He wasn't training for a fight. He's always training, but Gilbert Burns is a couple of weeks removed from fighting Jorge Masvidal at UFC 287. Now, to be clear, when you go through a three-round fight like that and then you leave, you know, you're not focused on fighting. You're, you're, you're shifting into vacation and family mode. So, you know, it's not like Gilbert has just, you know, he just, he just was going through a training camp, didn't fight, and he's still just training. He went through a fight. He kind of decompressed afterwards, and now he has to rebuild back up. So this is not totally advantageous to Gilbert Burns either. But for for Bilal Muhammad, you know, last fought in October, had nothing on the books. He had no fight book, nothing coming up, no offers made, nothing. To then jump in and fight Gilbert Burns in a five-round fight in a co-main event spot where it's basically do or die. He wins, 
he probably defines himself as the true number one contender in the division. He loses that undefeated streak goes away. The chances of him fighting, uh, you know, any of those, you know, chances of him fighting for a title goes away for probably quite a while. Uh, because you know, sadly, even though he had accomplished a lot, people weren't necessarily banging on the drum for him to get that title shot. I mean, Colby Covington on a one fight win streak jumped ahead of him for some inexplicable reason, but it happened. So this is do or die for him. Now for Gilbert Burns, Again, tons of respect. Gilbert Burns is probably one of the most willing fighters on the entire UFC roster. What I mean by willing fighters is he's willing to fight anybody. He fought Hamzat Chemaev when there really wasn't much to gain from it. I mean, yes, Hamzat was a name. He was building himself up. He had all the hype in the world, but he wasn't an established star yet. And he wasn't, or excuse me, an established uh, contender yet. He was a star already, but he wasn't an established contender yet. And to take that kind of risk and step in there and fight a guy like Hamza Chabai, who is now, you know, we all know going to middleweight, that's a huge risk. But, but, you know, Gilbert Burns said, bring it on. You know, he wanted the Jorge Masvidal fight. He wanted to fight Jorge in Miami. He had no problem doing that, going to Jorge's backyard and fighting him there. He, he wanted to fight in January. He didn't want to sit around and wait too long. So he went to Brazil and he said, give me whoever you got. The UFC said, Neil Magny. Gilbert Burns said, sure, give me Neil Magny. And, and you'll hear it in this interview and I don't want to spoil the interview, but you'll hear in this interview, I just want to lay this out for anyone listening. The fight, UFC 288, is May 6th, of America. May 6th is Saturday. This will be Gilbert Burns' third fight this year. He fought in January, beat Neil Magny. He fought in April, he fought Jorge Masvidal. He's fighting in May against Bilal Muhammad in a five-round co-main event. Three fights in five months. That's unprecedented. I mean, I understand when you talk about guys like Cowboy Cerrone, they did it. Neil Magny did it five fights in a year, but to do it at this level in five, in, in five months to fight three top 10 level fighters, that's, that's ridiculous. And this just says, this says a lot about who Gilbert Burns is as a person. Um, I think, you know, when this fight is over, assuming he can get a win, uh, there should be a lot of chatter about Gilbert Burns basically changing his entire fortune in five months. I mean, he was coming off that loss to Chimaev. It was a fight of the year. In my opinion, it was the fight of the year for 2022. He sits for months waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a fight. He wanted to fight Masvidal. They had the whole legal situation going on, so Masvidal couldn't fight. And then he finally gets to return in January. He fights in Brazil. Then he fights Masvidal in Miami. And now he's fighting Bilal Muhammad in Jersey. Um in three fights in five months, Gilbert Burns can totally change his trajectory in this division and potentially become the number one contender at 170 pounds. So we're going to talk about that, how this fight came together on his side, and of course his expectations for the fight with Bilal Muhammad at UFC 288. It never, it never ceases to amaze me the way this guy steps into fights when, uh, when he doesn't need to. Last time we spoke, uh, a matter of days ago, he's probably sick of hearing about me at this point. But a matter of days ago, he was zeroing in on on being the uh, backup to a title fight, looking for that championship. A week later, he's got another fight booked at UFC 288 in the co-main event. It is always my pleasure to speak to the great Gilbert Burns. Gilbert, are you sick of me yet? Because I think this is like the third time we've talked in like three weeks. <laughs> No, he's all good, my brother. He's always, he's always a good time with you. So, uh, Gilbert, of course, we all know the news. UFC 288 co-main event, five rounds against Bilal Muhammad. How did this all come about? How did this happen from your side? Uh, one week after the fight, I was, I had a crazy week after the fight. Uh, Sunday, I went to, to Universal with the kids. Uh, we spent all day there. I got back. I'm shaking. I just did the ice bath. It's still, <laughs> still cold. 
Uh, Tuesday, when, uh, Monday night, we got back home. Tuesday was here. Wednesday, I went to Mexico with my wife just for three days. We relaxed a little bit in Tulum. Saturday, we went back, and I had a delay on my flight back. And then that was the news that Charles Oliveira pulled out. And then I talked to my manager. He said, what's up? He said, I want to fight. I said, yeah. She tweeted it out. Tweet it out. I'm going to put the water with the guys. And then when I saw, uh, we were trying to get the Kobe fight. But then I talked to Hunter and they said, no, uh, Kobe's fighting for the title. But I have Bilal Muhammad. He was another one that, that wants to fight. I said, shit, I fight him. I don't care. And then that's how the negotiating started. And then on the beginning, he said he couldn't make weight. And then he asked me to, to catch weight. And I said, hell no, you're not that big. And like, and the way I see is we're going to a war, right? We're going to try to, to, to knock each other out. Why am I going to give you any any advantage? Any, no, bro. That's going to be my third week cut in like three months and a half. It's not healthy. That's not good. You do. I know you in Ramadan. I don't give a shit. You do whatever you want. But if you really want to fight, if you really put your name out there to fight, you got to make weight. You know, so he said he's not going to make weight. And then back and forth, and then he's going to fight. Then uh, Monday, Monday he was going to fight. Monday night he was going to make the weight. And then like, shit. Tuesday the fight was off. Tuesday night he decided he's going to make weight. And then Wednesday I think he wants more money. And then like, man, I don't know. So, But I kept training, so I got back... When I got back to Mexico on Saturday, I was already, I, like I said, I, I changed my whole lifestyle. I was in a very good shape. I did a no crap. I still eating super, super good. Monday, I was back in training. Tuesday, by when was that? When they announced the fight, I think it was, was Friday uh, or Thursday. I, I think know. it was Thursday they announced it, yeah. Thursday. Like two hours before, I don't know if I was fighting or not. It was a lot of back and forth. I was waiting. Then Hunter called me and he said the fight is on. He, he, he said Bilal asked for five rounds and I was just asking for five rounds. So it's going to be five rounds and we're going to announce it a little bit. So it was a lot of back and forth, but finally we're here. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, can I ask, I mean, listen, you know, you were one of the guys when I talked to you before your fight and even after your fight, like we all understood Colby was going to get the title shot. Of course, after we spoke, you know, right after that, Leon, you know, told me, you know, I'm not fighting until October, um, you know, turning around too quick after March and doing five rounds. I'd like to have a little bit of time off. And I understand that. Like, I kind of assumed, you know, six months between fights is pretty typical for champions anyways. So he had already said October. Um it, they're still they're still saying Colby for the title, but like he hasn't fought in over a year. My first thought was like this would be a great opportunity for him to get a fight in against you because I knew you asked for him and Bilal told me he asked for him as well. Got the same response. Colby's not available. Listen, I know you were one of the few guys who said, "Listen, I get it. Colby's getting the title shot. Let's just move on." But were you surprised at all, given that now we're looking at October for Leon that like Colby didn't? Because now it's going to be basically he's going to be out for a year and a half. Yeah, he's a little bit weird. I don't know. If the UFC really going to make that, I know we, the winner against me and Bilal is going to be the number one contender. I don't know if we're going to pass Kobe, 
if we're gonna get a title shot before Kobe, or if he's gonna be the winner against Kobe and Leon. But it seems like that's how it seems like since it's gonna be Kobe and Leon. And then we me or, or Bella are gonna get the winner. But a little bit weird. I don't know why the UFC makes make those decisions sometimes. Sometimes they do. But I'm not a complainer, you know. It is what it is. And that helped a lot of my decision to take this fight. Whenever I saw Leon say, oh, I'm not going to be ready right now. I'm just going to fight October. And then after my fight, they say I'm next. And I'm going to be a backup. But think about it just for April. I'm not going to wait all the way to October to maybe be next or just to be a backup. I say, you know what? Bilal Muhammad is right there too. If you get any win, I think he may pass me and get the shot. You know, I gotta fight Bilal Muhammad, and that's that's how that came that came about it. It's funny when we spoke. You know, we at the time we were talking about July, but you said the only way you would come back and fight would be if it was Hamzat or or Usman, and then you said that's the only way that would probably get me back in there. But I got you know I got the title shot, I got to be the backup, and as soon as as soon as Leon told me October, in the back of my head I was thinking, <laughs> here comes Gilbert. There's no way he's gonna sit oh, and wait six months. It's so funny because when this no fight way. got announced, like it totally made sense because I was like, there's no way Gilbert's gonna sit for six months and just wait for something that may not happen. Just at that point, you're just a backup still. You don't know you're going to fight. I was like, there's no way you're going to sit there for six months no and just way. wait. No way. If, if it was July, if these guys fight in July 22nd, I will wait. But October, no way. No way. I'm going to find my way in. And like I said, in the beginning of the year, you know, after my fight in, in Rio, I'm not asking. I'm not complaining. I'm not... Please give me a title shot. No, bro. I want to earn. I want to earn by by hard work. You know, I'm going to outwork all these guys. They might give it to Kobe. It is what it is. I'm not going to be complaining. I'm going to keep working. Three fights, three months and a half. These guys don't, don't fight for so long. All these guys, I'm lapping. I remember Kamaru say, I'm lapping everybody. Now it's my turn. Now <laughs> I'm lapping everybody. The whole welterweight division, the whole UFC. And I'm keeping, I'm planning to keep doing that. You know, I'm planning getting a good win after Bala Muhammad, a very tough opponent. But me getting a win, then I earned that title shot. No one can take that away from me. Yeah, well, I listen, I listen. We understand, you know, as you said, the UFC saying Colby's the guy. But we all know how this sport works, Gilbert. You know, everyone get you know we're, we are all prisoners of the moment. You go out there and have this five-round fight with Bilal. You go out and finish him, beat him. Uh, you know, coming up in May, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that, like, you know, when it comes time, like, they won't consider that. Again, whether it's next or, or one after that, but, I mean, I, I think there's a realistic chance here that, you know, Colby may end up getting left out because one of the big things that Dana said about Colby was is he stepped up. He stepped up to back up. He flew to London. He did all this, blah, blah, blah. Well, you guys just stepped up to save a pay-per-view and say you help help build a pay-per-view that lost a big marquee fight. Uh, again, I know they're saying Colby, but you know how this sport works. You go out there and have a phenomenal fight with Bilal. Uh, suddenly they're like, man, we, we might have to give it to Gilbert. So I, again, I'm just saying, like, we, we know how the sport works. That's the goal. That's the goal. The goal is the goal is being that since I got to fight with Mike was to to make it out. But Mike was very crafty. He, the guy was there the whole fight. You know, got to give it up to him. I couldn't. I couldn't get a finish. I think a finish would impress a lot more. But with a dominant win. 
But that's the same goal. Just change the guy. He's go out there, finish Bala Muhammad impressively, and put it out. You know, put it out of Dana and the fans and the media and everybody and try to earn the title shot. That's gonna be the goal. Absolutely. I know, like, I don't want to say there's ever been any, I would, bad blood's the wrong word. Like, I don't think there's any bad blood between you and Bilal. I know there's a lot of respect there, but I know when he got ahead of you in the rankings, it bugged you a little bit. Cause like, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't fought you and he jumped you in the rankings. Um, it seems like this is a natural number one contenders fight. So can you give me your thoughts on Bilal? I mean, obviously over this week, you had to go through a little bit of drama with the, the fights on the fights off, things like that. You end up getting the fight. What is your opinion of Bilal Muhammad? Uh, I think he's very tough. He's he's a tough opponent. That bugged me a little bit that he he passed me on the ranks because he he never beat me. He beat the number seven eight that was Trump Brady. Very tough guy too. Uh, great performance by Bilal in the last fight, but I that's my opinion. You know, it's not a fact. It's only my opinion. I don't think he should pass me on the ranks. But he did they they passed. He's all good. I'm not complaining about that anymore. I did a little bit, but it is what it is. That ranks doesn't mean shit. So but Bilal Muhammad is a very tough opponent, very crafty, you know. He adjusts. He 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 fought the one way against Luke. He fought the the other way against uh Sean Brady. He fought different way against Damian Maya. He fought different way against Warner Boys. So he can adjust very good. He can fight very well. He has good cardio. Great volume. Uh, I don't have no problems with with him. You know, like uh, I kind of squash up the 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 things that I was saying because, like I said, I don't want to push no one down to elevate myself. I kind of been saying that, but with him, I have that little thing because he passed me on the ranks. I didn't think was was worth. I I I didn't think he should pass me. He beat my guy Vicente Lucas, so I had a little thing with him. When I fought Masvidal, I came and I talked to him, and I kind of like, bro, I, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm doing uh, that right. You know, I don't want to push no one. I'm doing that. We have a good conversation, and everything was done. And I said, we might fight. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not like trying to. I'm just the things that I've been saying kind of bad about you. I'm not gonna say anymore. You know, I'm gonna keep respecting you. Uh, and then we were all good, and then. But now we're fighting, so I'm happy that that we we're gonna fight each other. But I have a lot of respect to all these top ten guys. Every most of the guys in the UFC have tremendous respect. That doesn't mean he's my friend. That doesn't mean I like the guy very much. I, as a person, I don't know him so much. A little bit that I know, I don't. I don't like very much. He's not like my favorite guy. A guy that I like, I think he's a little. It's different. He's a little annoying. He tried to be too cool. I just, he's just not my favorite people. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys I like for free. Like, Robert Whitaker, I just like the personality. I don't even know the guy. Like, a lot of other fighters, I just like the personality. You know, who the guy is, who he represents. But now I don't like that much, but I respect the guy very much. He's a great fighter. He's building a race to, to the title shot. Uh, good win streak. So, I have a lot of respect to the guy. Yeah. Were you were you surprised at all? I mean, I know when we talked about the Masvidal fight, you were very strong. You wanted five rounds. You wanted to be in main event fights. 
And Bilal had told me when I spoke to him, he said, you know, he asked for the five rounds. Now, I respect both of you guys for doing it. This is one of those rare instances, though, where I would have said it's okay to be three rounds because you're, you're really not doing this in a in a perfect situation. You know, you're just coming off a fight. You weren't expecting to fight again right away, so you're just in your mindset. You know, you're probably having a little food. You know, you know you're enjoying. You're going to Mexico, the life. But you're actually enjoying yourself, and that's totally understandable. Bilal had no idea when he was fighting. I think he said he was in Canada with his family, doing vacation. You know, eating. And I get it. I understand all that. So, were you surprised that that was a request? Because any other time, like just this fight being booked, five rounds is amazing. But on less than two weeks' notice, I'm like, this is that seemed a little crazy to me. I love it. I love it because uh, the guy has the right mentality, you know, to ask five rounds. Uh, he was in Ramadan. I know he's training. I know he's never, I know he's never, he's always training. He has a good cardio. He was running over there in Miami when he was there at the event. He was training. When I was doing the wake up, he was training. We were in the same, uh, in the same room, I was cutting away. He was training there. So, yeah, he's not on a crazy bad shape for a fight, but he, the, the guy has a good style, you know. He fights, and, and I'm and I'm happy that he asked for five rounds because I ask against Shimaev, they say no. I ask against New Magnet, they say no. I ask against Masvidal, they <sighs> say no. This one, when I ask... They say, oh, he asked you. I say, okay, let's get it done. Okay, finally, five rounds. And to be honest, the math is not the best for five rounds. You know what I mean? Like uh, financially, it's not the best. Because if I do two, two five rounds fights that and, and I don't get a finish and go 10 rounds. If I got two wins, four paychecks, show money, win money, show money, win money, right? You yeah. with me? 10 rounds, four checks. But if I'm just doing three rounds, I have three fights, nine rounds. Two paychecks, two paychecks, two paychecks, and I still only, you know what I mean? Six paychecks in nine rounds. So the math is not the best, but I like the mentality. I want to finish him, he want to finish me. We we're fighting for something bigger, you know, to 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 be the number one contender. I want to become a champion. I want to represent Brazil Jiu Jitsu. You know, a lot of a lot of things he does too. Things gonna be a great fight. Yeah, you were were you you were with Vicente uh, helping him get ready when he fought Blau, correct? A little bit because he was in Brazil and I was I fought Shimaev one week before that. I fought Shimaev on April nine. In a week after April 16, he fought Bilal Muhammad. I was there in Vegas. I didn't corner him because I was getting ready for, for Shimaev. But yeah, I was there. Yeah. So the you so you know Bilal, and you know me. I don't get a ton into like style questions or anything like that. And you mentioned Bilal does adapt very well. He's fought different against different guys. I think the Sean Brady fight was super impressive because a lot of people were riding high on Sean Brady, super good prospect, great grappler. And for Bilal to go out and knock him out in the second round, I think that opened a lot of eyes because you know, people kind of thought of, of Bilal as a guy who would kind of grind you to a decision, not a guy who would go out there and knock you out. I think that opened a lot of eyes about him. So can I just ask in a general sense, like, have you been impressed by him, what you've seen out of this run when you think about Wonder Boy, a guy you fought, obviously, Damian Maya, you know, guy you fought and legend in the sport. Uh, and of course, Vicente, one of your best friends, you 
your brother. Uh, you you know you know him very well. And then of course, this last fight with, with Sean Brady. Have you been impressed by what you've seen out of Bilal? Yes, yes. Not wow, not that impressive. But like wow, this guy's doing better. You know, I I thought I thought he was gonna beat Damian Maya the way he kind of did. He texted me after he beat Wonder Boy, and he said, "Oh, thank you for the for the blueprint." <laughs> but but I saw he didn't have a lot of answer. I was able to do a little bit more because he kind of you showed the way. Uh, Vicente, I thought Vicente was gonna beat him, but Vicente didn't have a, a good night that night. He wasn't the best. We, we even talk about it many times, but uh, Belal had a great night. He he looked good against Vicente. Uh, against Sean Brady, yeah, I was, I was impressive. That that was the most impressive. I, I don't bet, and it's not even because that thing that happened with James Cross, but I don't bet. But if I was betting that fight, I was betting betting in, in, in Bilal. I knew Bilal was going to win. You know, Sean Brady's kind of just now getting to fighting high level guys. For sure, he he came undefeated, a lot of wins. Great guy, I'm not throwing the guy down. Great guy, great opponent. But I was I thought Bilal was gonna win. Not not by by TKO like he did, not by a knockout. So yeah, he looked impressive at that fight. Yeah, well, I I think this is a fantastic fight. You guys are both on a great run, and Gilbert, I just I know not that you need me to say this, but I, when you said that to me a little bit ago, you said three fights in in basically this short span of time. I mean, you fought in January, you fought in April, now you're fighting in May. I mean, that's a savage move right there. We know there's not a lot of guys. And listen, there are guys who have done it. Cowboy Cerrone fought a lot. You know, he fought four or five times in a year. I know Neil Magny did it. Yeah, guys have done it. But to do it at this level, you know, generally speaking, you don't see guys inside the top five do this, right? Like, that's just not normal. And guess what? I wouldn't blame them. Like, I don't blame anyone for kind of, you know, when you get to that point, you know you're a fight away from a title shot. I understand being, you know, strategic with the way you pick your fights and the timing and things like that. You're just a savage, man. Like again, I told you. Like after the Gilbert, after I talked to Leon, he said October's like there is no way Gilbert's sitting out. He's gonna fight somebody else. And I'd, like here we are. Like May, you're coming up right off this fight. Now, can I ask, like in all seriousness, like how are you feeling? Because you did just go through a real hard training camp. You beat Masvidal in the three round fight, and and in your mind. I'd have to imagine in your mind, because I know we talked before when you said you were going to be the backup in July. You're like, I'm going to take a little time off, you know, spend some time with the family, do my vacation, and then get back into training to get ready for July. Like, mind-wise, mentally-wise, how how ready are you for this fight? No, and I mean, basically, you're going to fly out in, in basically a week from now, more or less. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's not easy work, you know. So, for me... To get mentally ready to a fight is a process, you know, taking me a couple of weeks. It's not even physically, technically, I think that that's easier. But I got to go to a, a, such a, a kind of deep place to kind of accept that I might get hurt to win that fight. You know, I might bleed, I might. And it's not something that I say it and then I'm ready. I need to kind of visualization. I need, I need to stay. That, that's the hardest part because I need I need to spend a lot of time by myself, kind of doing my visualization. I think me on the fight, fighting Bilal, example. Now it's Bilal, and then I'm fighting. Then things are not going my way, and I cannot get frustrated. I need to adapt. Okay, I need to find a way. Is is a lot of, is a little deep, you know. So I gotta kind of dig deep. 
and, and, and visualize and see and get answers. And eventually I get on that place and then I go to a fight. But then I'm, I, I, I get stuck for why on this place. So it's Sunday <laughs> night after the fight, I close my eyes. I'm on a freaking octagon again. And I, oh shit, I need to relax. <laughs> and then sometimes I, I'm talking to the kids and then I, boom, and then we, we having fun, boom. And then I got back to the fight. You know, I lay down and got back to the fight. I'm like, shit. It's not easy to get out of that. So that's why I try to be a little bit active to do a little vacation real quick right after the fight. So Monday we went to Universal. Then my mind started cleaning a little bit because it was a lot of fun with the kids. I had a friend of mine going. And then I went to to Tulum with my wife. And then we get good views, ocean, walking the ocean. So my main my mind started clearing again. And then I got back. And then I'm fighting. And then I should, now I got to go back. <laughs> So physically, I'm ready. Technically, I'm ready, still adjusting a little bit to his style. But mentally, now I'm coming back from where I left. You know, now I'm coming back doing my visualizations, especially these five rounds. I got to spend more time with myself. But yeah, not not easy. Not easy to fight January. One week, I remember I fought here on January 21st. On Wednesday, 20, I don't know, 5th, I got a call, fight was done. They announced a little bit after. Now, fight was done. They announced again, <laughs> so I got to, it's a little hurry. Physically, I felt great. You know, I feel, I do feel good. Like I said, I changed my whole lifestyle. I'm not eating added sugar. I'm, I'm doing the cold plunge. I'm, I'm doing a lot of things to get my body in shape and good and ready to go. But mentally now, I'm back to the visualizations to 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 get ready for Blah Muhammad. I think that's mentally is the hardest part. It, it's not. It's not. A lot of guys they just get ready, they just get in shape and fight. That's on the beginning. You get in shape and fight, but now it's it's all mental. You know, hundred percent mentally. I need to be ready to 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 things not going on my way. You know, to adapt, to adjust. That that's the hardest part. Yeah. Um, you've been one of the top welterweights in the sport for a while now, you know, and, and when you went on that original run leading into the title fight, you know, beating Tyron Woodley and the performances you're putting on. And we talked many times about the errors made in the Usman fight, just little things that went wrong and the emotion and all this kind of things. You came out of that fight. You know, obviously you had the Hamza fight. And I remember talking to you after the Hamza fight, and I, it felt like something changed in you after that fight. There was just like this, this, this switch that got flipped in you. And obviously, we've talked a lot over these this last year. You know, we talked before and after the Neil Magny fight, before and after the Masvidal fight, and here we are now before the Bilal Muhammad fight. And I'm sorry, Gilbert, you're not getting rid of me because we're going to talk after the fight with Bilal Muhammad as well. Um, but it feels like this is the best Gilbert Burns we've ever seen. You're you're mentally on point to a to a stage you've never been before. You've always been an incredible athlete. You've been a, a top welterweight for several years. But is it safe to assume, I correct in thinking that this is the best you've ever been? Just mentally and physically, you're hitting all the switches right now. I think so, and I and I hope I'm right. That that's what I think. I think so. I hope I'm right. Uh, we'll see May 6th if it is. I think it is, but May 6th is going to be the answer. You know, if I get out there in my zone, execute where I'm training, that's the thing. Get there in my zone. Don't let nothing get in my way. Sometimes we get a lot of distraction, a lot of things that comes. 
but I'm trying to cover all that mentally. And, uh, and if I do believe if I get there, May 6th, have my good warm up, few lose, go in the right mindset of the fight, be on my zone in my moment. I'll dominate and finish Balaam Muhammad, and then I can, then I can like say that, yeah, that that that's my best. You know, after the fight and our next interview, <sighs> I think I'll be ready to 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 kind of say that. But I think I am, you know, because I. But I change a lot of bad habits, you know, a lot of experiencing going to a title fight, losing the way I lost, then going to a crazy war with Hamza. I think. I think the experience that, that people, sometimes a lot of guys get that twisted. It's not just the experience, it's the lessons that I'm learning losing these fights, you know, because I lost a couple of fights, but I lost to the best, bro. I lost to Kamaru, number one pound for pound. I lost to freaking Hamza, that no one wants to fight the guy. After the fight, yeah, Bilal called him out after uh, Paulo Costa, a couple of guys called him out after my fight before my fight no one called him i just knew magni but they don't want to make this fight but that was the only guy knew magni but the guy that signed the, the thing didn't ask for wake up didn't ask for more money didn't ask for catch away it was me so yeah i think uh i'm i'm learning those lessons in, in my journey so the last thing I'll ask you on this, Gilbert, you know, um, you mentioned with the Masvidal fight, you know, a big part of that going in was you wanted five rounds because, you know, A, you're a championship fighter, and B, you said, with five rounds, I know I'll finish him. And I believe in my, and I have a ton of respect for Masvidal, legend, we all know this, but I truly, truly believe in my heart of hearts, if you would have had one more round, I don't think he would have survived because you had him hurt, had him had him dinged up pretty, but that third round was, was your best round. You had him hurt badly badly we know jacked against the cage all those kind of things you had one more round i don't know that he would have made it um is there any way Bilal muhammad survives five rounds with you on may 6th maybe the guy he's crafty you know i'm gonna give that i gotta give a credit to the guy i don't think he will but he he may be you know so but that that's the goal that goes to finish this guy you know you got 25 minutes is a lot Inside the cage, the cage locket just me and him. 25 minutes, a lot of time. And my goal is to finish this guy. You know, I think Masvidal was danger. You know, we know that left hook, it could come at any time. The knees could come at any time. Uppercut, I was listening to his coach. Uh, I don't think Bilal Mohamed possesses the power and the ability on the shark that Masvidal has. But he has good kicks. He has good hooks, you know. Bilal Muhammad has a lot of uh, a high volume, but the keys to finish this guy. And people kind of using that saying like at any means necessary, but they don't mean it. But I, I, I really want to finish this guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig deep. I'm gonna push. Him. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to to finish Bilal Muhammad. He might. Sometimes we you don't get what we want, you know. Sometimes it's freaking a domination fight. But I'm going to work very hard to finish him. Bilal Mohammed and, and earn the title shot. I love it. Uh, Gilbert, not that you need me to tell you this, but in all sincerity, man, you're a, you're a legend for stepping up and doing this. We know a lot of guys wouldn't. And listen, I always say this. 
You know, no one should ever be no one should ever be uh, insulted for not accepting a short notice fight. This is a hard sport. You have to put weeks and months into preparation. I understand that. And I never fault anyone for not accepting a short notice fight. But I also praise guys like you who are willing to do this. You know, you talk the talk and you walk the walk. And again, you're the kind of guy, I know you're the one who's going to step up. So I know the UFC appreciates that. And now we have a phenomenal co-main event to go along with Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling. I uh, I thank you as always for the time, my man. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, have a good week of training. Cause that's basically all you're going to get is this last week of training here in Florida. And then uh, safe travels out to New Jersey. And thank you as always for the time. And as I said, don't go, don't go, don't go too far away Gilbert because like three days after your fight we'll probably talk again so thank you for having me today it was always a good time my brother have a good one hey we'll talk soon all right all right for sure UFC 288 is is sneakily uh, going to be a good card. And a big thanks, of course, to Gilbert Burns for joining me uh, for an interview ahead of his fight with Bilal Muhammad. Of course, a thanks to Bilal Muhammad as well. And also a thanks uh, to the UFC bantamweight champion of the world, Aljamain Sterling, who, of course, fights in the main event against Henry Cejudo. This event is is slipping under the radar a little bit. You know, when you come off UFC 287, you had the big rivalry fight with Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Of course, everything else is going to pale in comparison a little bit. But these next two pay-per-views, uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a massive fan of the June card. I love Benil Dariush and Charles Oliveira. That's a tremendous fight. I don't know that I really care a whole lot about Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena 3. Um, that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't really have a lot of interest in that fight. But that's the next pay-per-view. So I'm, I'm UFC, 280, two, UFC 288 is, is much better, in my opinion, when you look at Sterling Cejudo is a, is a fascinating matchup. Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns is a tremendous fight, even on short notice. Mosar Evloev taking on Bryce Mitchell. That's a tremendous fight. That's really a kind of a, a do-or-die moment for those guys. One guy is going to elevate to top six, seven in the world at Featherweight at, you know, in the division, and the other guy is going to fall back much deeper in the top 15. I mean, you know, Evloev is a... High-level wrestler, undefeated, looks incredible, but he's struggled to get big fights and obviously dealing with injuries and things like that. You got Bryce Mitchell coming off the loss to Ilya Taporia. Where does he come? How does he come back? Can he go out there and out-grapple uh, you know, a, a, a tremendous wrestler? I mean, Evloev's brother won a freaking gold medal at the Olympics uh, in 2021. So this is a tremendous matchup. That's it. And then the prelims, in my opinion, might have the fight of the night on it, which is... Drew Dober against Matt Frivola. That fight is amazing. Like, that is, that, that, to me, that's the fight you kick off the pay-per-view with because that is going to be a barn burner. It may last two minutes. It may go all 15. That's going to be a barn burner. That is the kind of fight you sell a pay-per-view, which I guess that's kind of what they're doing by putting it on the prelims, the final fight leading into the into the pay-per-view card so you get people kind of psyched up and excited and hopefully buying the pay-per-view, I suppose. But that might be the best, like, fight. Not the, It's not the one with the biggest stakes, obviously, but the fight that actually looks on paper like it's going to pay off in the biggest way. How could Drew Dober and Matt Provola not be awesome? So I'm really looking forward to that. It's low-key, a really solid card on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to that. Make sure you stick to the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com, for all your coverage. We'll have you covered for Media Day on Wednesday. There's a press conference on Thursday, so stay tuned for all of that. And, of course, next week we'll be back with another edition of The Fighter vs. The Writer with a guest host joining me to break down everything that happened at UFC 288 and leading into UFC Charlotte, where our guy, my co-host, of course, Matt Brown, makes his triumphant return against 
Alex Court McGee. So stay tuned for that next week. Again, a big thank you to Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, and of course, UFC champ Aljamain Sterling for coming on the show. Uh, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. Keep it locked there for all of your UFC 288 coverage. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of The Fighter vs. The Rider. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.